You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it out. It was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true, personal stories about science. I'm your host, Gastron Monte, and this week, our stories are all about those jobs we never really signed up for. You know what I'm talking about. My mom does this to me all the time. I have trouble saying no to her. You know, she's my mom. So she'll sign me up to volunteer to help people I barely know. Like, I connected her Amazon Fire Stick a few years ago. She told her whole book club about it. And now I got to randomly run tech support for seven retirees whenever their internet goes down. You know the deal. Anyway, uh, our first story is from Ted Olds. It was recorded at QED Astoria in Queens, New York, November 2022. The theme that night was persistence. So my wife, Judy, and I are in bed. It's 3.30 a.m. on a Saturday. She's quiet, but I know she's not asleep. There's no way anyone in this house is asleep with this damn baby crying. And I'm thinking, I have to stop this. I've got to end this once and for all. The crying, it's muffled and it's sporadic. It'll cry for a minute, then it's quiet for 30 seconds, then it starts up again. But honestly, constant and louder would be better. That I could turn into white noise. This is like a dripping faucet. I have to strain to hear it. And when it does stop, I'm thinking... I'm just on edge, waiting for it to start again. There's no way to fall asleep, and I've got to get up in the morning. The crying is muffled, because the baby's in the laundry room, and the laundry room door is shut, and our bedroom door is shut, and the baby's in the dryer, and the dryer door is shut. The dryer's not running. Our son brought it home from school Friday. It's an electronic doll. It comes with a bottle. Uh, there was no warning that he was bringing it home. If there had been, we could have talked to the teacher, found out what you're supposed to do with the damn thing. But no, no warning. And uh, it's, it's, it's an eighth grade health class project trying to teach 13-year-olds, these hormonally challenged 13-year-olds, you don't want to have a kid anytime soon. And um, so anyway, it was quiet for a while. And then we're just finishing up dinner, say seven o'clock, and it starts crying. And Judy and I, we look at him like, you're on. And uh, he says, what am I supposed to do? I said, well, there's a bottle. I mean, I would try and feed it. He says, yeah, yeah, I know that. But then you're supposed to do other stuff. There's, like, there's some things you're supposed to touch it and, and, and handle it. And it's got to be in a certain order. And I said, the teacher must have told you. He said, well, she was talking, but my friends were all making jokes about me having a baby. And so I didn't really listen. <laughs> Now, this is 20 years ago. 
We didn't have a, her, the teacher's cell number. We didn't have her home number. We had a landline number to the classroom. I called it. You know, I know it's a long shot, but maybe she's in grading papers 7 p.m. on a Friday. Uh, but no, no luck at all. Um, Judy, Judy takes them in the living room and they start trying stuff. Uh, she's our tech guru. She can, she can solve anything. I mean, most stuff she solves in a second. If there is something complicated, I've seen her be on the phone with tech support for hours and trying to fix the next, you know, the newest electronic thing way longer. I, I would have quit long before that. And she always sorts it out. So she's going to fix this. She's going to sort this out. And, um, and they're trying, you know, feed the baby, cradle it, hug it. Wah, wah, wah. All right, well, feed the baby, burp it, rock it. Wah, wah. I say to our son, hey, do you know any other kids that have brought it home already? No. So I start calling people whose kids, people we know whose kids are in the same class. Ring, ring. Hey, it's Ted. Hey, has Johnny brought home the crying baby yet? The what? Ring, ring, ring. Hey, this is Ted. Has little Jane brought home the crying baby yet? The what? Uh, so um, after maybe a half hour, our son says, that's it. I quit. He goes to his room, closes the door, and puts on music. I say, Judy, do you want me to make him come out? She said she's better off on her own. <laughs> now, here's the thing. We've got two kids. We've got a daughter who's a couple of years older. She did, when, when she was in eighth grade, they didn't do the baby. Uh, but both kids, we can't force them to do anything they don't want to do. Um, like as an example, in seventh grade, they had to learn a musical instrument. And our son brought home the cello. And they're supposed to practice every day. And so we, for a few days, we had screaming fights with him. And then we just gave up. I mean, he didn't practice at all. Uh, but like, here's the crazy thing. There were five kids that played cello in that class. He was second chair. Like a kid who never practiced was somehow better than three other kids. It's got to be hell to be a middle school music teacher. But the thing was, he got good grades. And he was able to skate by everything in school. Except finally, school had found something he couldn't escape by. There's, there's a baby. Well, Judy keeps trying new stuff. And I go to the computer and whatever the internet was 20 years ago, looking, hoping to find instruction. Uh, but I, I, I strike out. I don't, I don't find anything about how to make the baby stop. But I, I will give you a word of warning. If you Google crying baby doll, mostly you get porn. Uh, <laughs> But, but the, one thing, the, 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 the one thing that I did learn was I found this study that said a crying baby, their effect on parents can be, the parents can get anxious, um, uh, hopeless, um, depressed, angry. It can cause the parents not to bond with the kid. It can hurt the parent's perception of the kid. And in extreme cases, it can cause the parent to think about harming the baby. And then, they're, they, and then they feel guilt and shame. And that's parents. I was very anxious. I was completely hopeless. I was very angry. I didn't want to bond with this damn thing. I didn't care about this thing. And I wasn't just thinking about harming it. I was making plans to end this. After about an hour, Judy said, that's it. I quit. Uh, I've never seen her quit before on, on technology, but there you, there you go. Uh, and so we tried to watch TV, but to drown out the baby, we had to make the volume so loud, it was unbearable. And after a bit, she gets up, picks up the doll, walks down the hallway, and I hear, wah, 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 
And she comes back and says, it's in the dryer. Um, and we were able to watch TV. We could you know, drown that out at a volume that wasn't too bad. Uh, and we had a couple hours of peace. The one thing I remember watching, uh, there's a show called Malcolm in the Middle. And if you don't know it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's about a family that has four sons. And the youngest one, his name's Dewey. And he just yawn, uh, not yawns, whines all the time. And the episode that night, I remember, he was just crying the entire half hour. And it was like funny. It was like in this dark humor way, it was funny to us. Uh, but we should have realized it was foreshadowing the rest of our night. Um, and at midnight, we go to bed. And now it's 3.30, and wham, wham. And I'm thinking, I have to end this. This has got to stop. I can't deal with this anymore. But I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I don't want to ruin the lesson for my son. I don't want him to have kids while he's still a teenager. Maybe we should all get through this evening. Wah, wah, no, hell no. No, I, we, I've got to end this. And, and, and while I'm going through all this, suddenly Judy jumps out of bed. That's it. And she runs toward the laundry room, swearing. And I follow, the kids hear the screaming, they come out after her, and the three of us watch as she opens the dryer door, takes out the doll, rips off its gown, and starts trying to open the battery pack uh, cover. But of course it's locked, they're not gonna let you just take the batteries, what kind of lesson would that be? So she gets a screwdriver, and now she's trying to pry the cover off, and she's prying it, and with a crack, it pops open, and now she's trying to get the batteries out but they're locked in. So she's prying that out. And then with another crack, the batteries pop out and they're hanging from the baby's back by a wire. Wah, wah. And she gets a scissors, wah, wah, cuts it. Wah. <laughs> that baby had been crying almost nine hours straight. I, I, I wish I'd remembered what kind of batteries they were because those are some good batteries. <laughs> The kids and I looked at her with this mix of fear and awe. And awe. I mean, that's some cold-blooded will right there to do that. But like I said, she's our technology fixer. Uh, and um, she calls the, uh, the teacher, the teacher's classroom. Yeah, hi, our son isn't doing the baby project anymore. And uh, you can charge me for the doll. And I only wish I could call you at home at 4 a.m. and tell you right now, do you wonder whether our son got the lesson, even though we ended it early? Hell yes. Both kids got the lesson better than they possibly would have if they had gone through dealing with the doll. I mean, the, the, they watched their mom destroy a doll for crying. <laughs> Do you think they're going to bring a baby into that house? Matter of fact, they're both in their 30s and we're still not grandparents. <laughs> I think the lesson was just a little too good, perhaps. Thank you. That was Ted Olds. Ted Olds is a mechanical engineer and patent lawyer. He has worked on protecting technologies as wide ranging as Pratt and Whitney's geared aircraft engine to the Rainbow Loom. He also tells stories around the country. He has appeared on Story Collider and its podcast before. Plus, Ted has won the Moth Story Slams 20 times across eight cities. Okay, before we continue with today's episode, a couple of reminders. On Monday, January 30th, we have a new show in New York at Caveat. 
Get your tickets and find out more at storycollider.org backslash shows. And next month, we have shows in Vancouver, Atlanta, ATL, Shoddy, San Francisco, and more. <laughs> Again, that's uh, storycollider.org backslash shows for more details. And if you would like to learn more about how to tell a science story, check out storycollider.org backslash education. We offer private workshops, both online and in person for groups. And we offer public courses for individuals online as well with our next introduction to storytelling workshop starting in April. Also, for more updates and cool behind-the-story pictures and other awesome content, you should follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and now TikTok. Find us at Story Collider. You know the deal. And finally, if you're a fan of this podcast and if you like us, believe in the power these science stories have to reveal the humanity behind science to change our understanding of how science happens and who it belongs to, you know, something little like that, please consider donating to the Story Collider at storycollider.org backslash donate. Also, if you're tired of listening to ads on the podcast, you can also sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash the Story Collider. Our Patreon supporters receive an ad-free version of this podcast, as well as the occasional bonus episode and other gifts. We're so, so grateful to everyone who helps make our work possible. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Our second story is from Cadre Francis. It was recorded at a sponsored show with Boise University at the Stuckley Sky Center in the Double R Ranch Club Room in Boise, Idaho on November 2022. The theme that night was You Matter. I'm sitting in my office in the first semester of graduate school in chemistry in Louisiana. And... I was wondering why some of my other friends didn't want some of these empty faculty offices. It's such a great idea. You have your own space. You can do whatever you want to do. And I didn't know I was about to find out. The only bad thing about an office is people know where to find you. <laughs> I hear a knock at the door. 
the door I keep locked with the window I keep blocked. And I open the door and I see this older lady and I immediately start thinking, oh, this is someone's parent. I can't talk to you. It's really great. But then she starts speaking about a STEM camp and there's this chemistry week and I should do some demos. And I remember reading an email a few weeks earlier and ignoring the email a few weeks earlier. And she keeps talking and talking, and I'm wondering, why is this lady not listening to me say no? Little did I know she had just spoke to the department head, and he said, oh, yeah, he just finished lab. He's probably down in his office. The semester is almost over. He's going to have a lot of free time. It's going to be great. So it took about five minutes of me saying no, and she's saying, oh, no, it's already agreed. The department head said yes, and, you know, we are really excited to have you. And I realized it was no longer a question. <laughs> she was just simply informing me that I'd be there and to give her a list of demos that I'm going to do and what materials I'd need. I accept it. Not much of a choice at this point. So I said, well, I got to put up a resistance. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do really boring demos. That will really show her and show those campers it's going to be super boring, everyone's going to fall asleep, and I'm not going to care. So I send an email with the list, and then no answer. I'm excited. I'm like, oh, maybe she forgot. A few days later, I get an email back. Oh, wouldn't it be great if you actually met some of the campers before so they know who you are, so they can know what you're doing and be more engaged when you're doing the demos? And I thought, yes, this is great. This is exactly what I want to do with my free time. It's not like I just spent the whole summer teaching two labs, taking a class, and doing research. So sure, I'll love to come and work for free doing these demos and be a camp counselor. I go to the camp. The campers aren't that bad. They're actually pretty cool. They're interested in STEM. STEM is cool. So I thought, ah, oh, well. I wish I had planned some cool demos. Maybe I should have done some butane bubbles and light myself on fire. Maybe I should have done a giant elephant toothpaste. Maybe I should have done a pulse jet engine. There are so many cool things I could have done, but I didn't plan it. And if I ask them now for the materials, obviously they're going to know that I didn't care initially. So I have to stick with it. Day one and day two go well. The demos are super easy. As I was saying, I could do it in my sleep. And most of the campers, some five years old, could probably do it in their sleep too. There was nothing to write home about. So day three comes and I have a few demos planned. They're all going to be, again, super easy, super boring. I do the first one. It goes well. Woohoo. The second one, I'm going to take a hard-boiled egg. I'm going to remove the shell. And I'm going to put a piece of paper light it on fire, put it in an Erlenmeyer flask, and the difference in pressure is going to suck that egg into the Erlenmeyer flask hole. Woohoo! Super interesting. <laughs> so I light the paper. Ah, it starts to smoke. I'm like, ah, well, there's a smoke detector. I put it in a bowl of water. And because I'm so smart, obviously I'm a graduate student in chemistry. I'm brilliant. I decide... <laughs> Don't get a different piece of paper. You take that piece of paper out, you dry it as much as you can, and then you pour a bunch of rubbing alcohol on it. That's the way to get a fire started. 
So I pour the alcohol on, I rub my hands. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great, super easy. And I light the paper on fire and my hands with gloves on fire. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you could have just done this the right way and not done it this way. So I'm on fire and I'm thinking, well, you're telling everyone you're this awesome scientist. You definitely can't put your hands in the bowl of water that's sitting right there because they'll know you made a mistake. Some of the younger campers are laughing, super excited. Some of the older campers are super excited as well. And some of them are looking at me like, ah, we're not sure that that's what's supposed to happen. Most of the adults seem like, oh yeah, it's all part of the plan. They aren't concerned, they're just watching me. You always hear that when something bad happens, everything slows down. I start thinking, well, if I start a fire, the fire department's gonna come, then some parents gonna walk, drive by and they're gonna see all these campers outside with the fire truck, and then someone's gonna explain it was that chemist. <laughs> and then I say, oh, well, maybe the sprinkler system will go off, and I'm like, no, that's not how it works. One person on fire doesn't set off a sprinkler system. So I'm looking at my hands and I'm like, well, you've really done it now, you've messed up. But you gotta keep it going. The kids are so joyful, you don't want them to think that science is dangerous, that you are doing something you're not supposed to be doing by playing with fire. And I'm like, well, uh, I can let it go a little bit longer. My research is in the swamps catching alligators, but this is how I get hurt. <laughs> Imagine having to tell my friends, oh, oh, how do you get hurt? Oh, was it in the swamp? Oh, no, no, it wasn't. Oh, you were doing some synthesis. No, no, not really. I was doing a STEM demo and it kind of got out of hand. <laughs> it would be super embarrassing. Everyone knows that I enjoy people who speak with their hands because they get really expressive when you bring up a passionate topic and they do some of this and it's super interesting. So I start doing some of this and I'm cooling it down and it's not working, the fire's still going. And I, I can feel my skin burning at this point and I'm like, oh, well, maybe now is a good time to out it. I'm like, oh, well, the eggs in the Erlenmeyer flask, ooh, the experiment's over. I put my hands in the water and I out it. My pride's not really that hurt. Most people thought it was a bug. I mean, sorry, thought it was a feature, not a bug. So. I kept it going and I really enjoyed the camp. I ended up planning some more activities for the next few weeks. For the next summer, I became assistant director and helped plan the activities. The students were super excited. When they got picked up, they're like, oh yeah, that's him. That's the counselor who lit himself on fire. It was super cool. <laughs> and it made me feel good. Some parents didn't really find it that funny, but uh, it was okay. Then a little bit later, a few weeks later, they decided to put the camp, make it available for the following year. Chemistry week was sold out immediately. There's this guy who light himself on fire, it'll be fun. <laughs> the following summer came and the campers evolved and they lied and they changed the story. They're like, oh, he's a ghost rider. His whole body was literally on fire. You should have been here last year. <laughs> and you know, I wasn't, I could light myself on fire in a safe way, but I didn't do it. So the campers are really cool. Unfortunately, I think the more you learn in science, the less imagination you have, and they can take something we find so simple, and it'd be the most interesting thing in the world for them.
So I really enjoyed that. I spent every day at the camp. I made excuses to work long hours, to stay there all day. I said, oh, it's the summer in Louisiana. My power bill will be high, so I might as well just stay, work all day. Even the day I defended my master's thesis, I showed up to work. I wasn't on the schedule, I wasn't getting paid, and I was gonna be in a building 15 feet away from my master's thesis. And I thought, oh, well, the campers could distract me. It'll be fun. It didn't really work out, but I ended up passing, so I'm here today. <laughs> and if you're gonna do something, you might as well do the best job you can because you may just end up lighting yourself on fire anyway. <laughs> that was Cadre Francis. Cadre Francis is a PhD student in materials science and engineering at Boise State University. He has earned degrees in the biological and chemical sciences and enjoys studying MSc due to its interdisciplinary nature. Outside of work, he enjoys learning about history and playing sports. He hopes to pursue a career in research and development where he can contribute to more sustainable science while driving innovation. Can't beat that. The Story Collider is so grateful to Ted and Cadre for sharing their stories with us. The Story Collider is also very grateful for the support of Science Sandbox, a Simons Foundation initiative dedicated to engaging everyone with the process of science. This podcast is produced by Aaron Barker, Executive Director and Co-Founder of The Story Collider, Managing Producer Misha Gajewski, and Senior Podcast Editor Jen Chen. Special thanks goes out to Story Collider's board and the rest of our staff, including Managing Director Anne-Marie Lonsdale, Science Advisory Fellow Edith Gonzalez, Education Director Lily B., and Operations Manager Lindsay Cooper, without whom none of this would be possible. The stories featured in today's episodes were produced by Tracy Segarra and Tracy Rowland, as well as Macy Salida and me, Gastron Monte, respectively. Our theme music is by Ghost. Next week, Misha will be back with stories about going the extra mile. Until then, thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.